Let's, let's pray together. Thank you, O oh God, for your presence here among us. And we pray that you would reveal yourself through your word, through the preaching, as we consider this concept together of giving more. Thank you, O oh God. Amen. So this morning we continue our journey with the Advent Conspiracy. During the last two Sundays, we have embarked on this journey. We've talked about worshiping fully and spending less. And this morning, we look at the tenet, the concept of giving more. And this Advent Conspiracy was started by five pastors in 2006. And since that time, in the intervening nine years, it has become a global emphasis. And I'm delighted that our congregation is taking seriously this Advent conspiracy. And as I preach about giving more, I want you to know that I affirm you for the work and the giving that you have already done. I discovered on Wednesday that the box for slightly used coats was filled to overflowing by the middle of of last week. And this will be given to the Hempfield School District. We are also receiving donations toward drilling the well in India. And as you heard, we've already received $1,257 out of the total 5,000 that is needed. So we have certainly had a good start. That's certainly a wonderful response. We're also receiving gift cards to use in our benevolence ministry. And I don't want to neglect the way that you continued to support the ministry of the congregation throughout the year as we continue to connect with our neighborhood and to share the, the message and the love of Jesus Christ right here in the borough of East Petersburg that goes on to reach our community. So this morning we look at what it means to give more. And we will see that Joseph, as we look at that passage of scripture from Matthew chapter 1, we see that Joseph gave of himself in the situation that he found himself. We also want to discover together that God's gift was personal, that God's gift was special, the gift of Jesus Christ as so adequately portrayed to the children up here by by Nancy. Let's look then at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 23. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from 
their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Certainly this story of Jesus' birth is a simple and a beautiful expression of what God has done for us. A beautiful expression of a wonderful relationship between Joseph and Mary. And verse 18 informs us that Mary became pregnant while she was engaged to Joseph. And at that time, Jewish marriage was a two-step process. A two-step process different from today. And the first step is the engagement, a legal and a formal contract that was, that was signed and that the only way that that engagement period could be terminated was through a divorce. And the couple during that time was considered as husband and wife. As you know, that's different from in our society. And this engagement period, sometimes also referred to as a betrothal time, was usually for a stated time of one year. And then they would have the marriage celebration. And so it was in this stage, in the first stage, in the engagement time, that we find that this text takes place here in the first chapter of Matthew. And the second stage, then, is the stage of marriage itself. And the marriage took place, as I said, at the end of that betrothal year. And so at that time, the husband then took his bride to his home and to live together as husband and wife, as a married couple. Warren Huffman suggests that Joseph, as a result of this passage, may have made these entries in his journal. He may have said something like this, Today I'm betrothed to Mary. What a blessed man I am to have promised to me such a fine, sweet girl. My father actually negotiated her for me but I certainly approve. The feast given by Mary's parents was impressive. Almost everyone came to the celebration. It means a lot to have all my friends gather together at this time in my life. And then the next entry, a few days later, I'm outraged. Today, Mary told me what I supposed for some time now, and that is, she's pregnant. We haven't even had intimate relations with each other, and how could she do this to me? I am violated. I am betrayed by my love. She's been acting a little strange. I can't exactly pin it down, But for several weeks, she has been more quiet than usual. And today, I had to confront her, and she insisted that she has been chased. Right. 
These things don't just happen on their own. What am I supposed to do? I feel humiliated. Shall I talk to the rabbi? Shall I talk to my parents? I love Mary, but I cannot just marry her and forget about my obligation to God. I am angry. And then, the next entry. Mary still insists that this pregnancy is an innocent one and that it was the Holy Spirit that came upon her. Does she think I'll believe that story? I'm forced to make a difficult decision. I could divorce her publicly, and in that case, she would be publicly humiliated and put to death along with her lover if we could name him. My other option is to put her away quietly and just move on with my life. And that would allow her to have the baby quietly and try to, for her to find someone else to help support her and the family. Yes, I will do the last option. I certainly don't want her to die for this situation. But she and I have absolutely no future together. And the child she will bear will need to have other support. It cannot come from me. No, I haven't talked to anyone about this, but I'm at peace. That's what I will do. Tomorrow, I will tell Mary what I have decided, and we will proceed with the process. And then, Joseph lasts journal entry. Unbelievable, that's all I can say. Unbelievable. Last night while I was sleeping, a messenger, an angel came and spoke to me. And I had been tossing and turning for most of the night and then finally drifted off to sleep. And I was thinking about Mary and about the talk I was planning to have with my betrothed, the talk that I would have the next day. And the messenger had something strange to tell me. And so I can't help but believe that this messenger was from God. And she, the messenger told me to, to take Mary as my wife and that the baby is a special one. And I could be assured by, that I was doing the right thing by marrying my betrothed. And I remember the angel saying something about the child coming from the Holy Spirit and that we should name this boy Jesus because he would be redeeming the people. I've got to talk to Mary about this. Maybe we can work things out. Maybe now we can go ahead with our plans and perhaps we can have a normal life together. Maybe this child can make a difference. Those may be some of the reflections, some of the thoughts that if Joseph was a person who journaled, that this is what he may have written in his journal entries prior to this experience. So how did Joseph give more? 
How did he give more in this vignette? First, we observe that Joseph was obedient to what the angel told him to do. He was told to take Mary, who was pregnant, to his home as his wife. And certainly, there would have been slander. There would have been gossip by the other townspeople. They would have known that this is not the usual situation. And as a righteous and honorable person, he did not want to expose Mary to the disgrace that would result from a public trial for adultery. He was a righteous person. He was an honorable person. So he sought to find a solution for, that was both honorable and compassionate for Mary. Joseph gave of himself. He gave of his life. He was willing to face the, critic, the, the ridicule and the criticism for doing this. But he was still obedient to the command of the angel. So as we reflect on the topic of giving more, let's also look at how God has given to us. And I've used the, the book Advent Conspiracy as a resource for this part of my sermon. The first thing I would say is that God gave his very presence. And as we're told in verse 23, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. God gave his very self, his very presence. One of the points that I make in my pastoral care ministry when believers are going through a difficult time, perhaps the loss of a loved one by death, perhaps the loss of mobility or the loss of other, other aspects that come with advancing age, which consists of one loss after another. Perhaps it's a time of hospitalization. But one of the points that I emphasize in my pastoral care, in my ministry to persons as they're going through those difficulties, is that God is with them, that God is with us. As we are on the journey, we are not alone. And indeed, God is with us in the very presence of Jesus by the gift of God's Son, God is with us. Jesus came into the world in the flesh and God is with us. So, I would suggest in the same way that God gave his presence, as we think of giving and as we continue to prepare to give gifts this Christmas, let us not only give tangible physical gifts, but also give a gift of spending time with the person. Give a gift of your own presence. The authors of the book Advent Conspiracy suggests, quote, to picture the following. A young man buys his father a pound of coffee beans and with the one stipulation, dad can only enjoy this gift with his grown son and in the hours and the days it will take to drink that coffee, that son 
wants to listen to dad tell stories as the two of them get reacquainted. So what does that say to the father? He hears from his son, I want to spend time with you and to discover how you became who you are. So that's what it means to give your presence in simple but meaningful ways, end quote. The writer, the Gospel of John, in John 1.14 says, So the Word, and the Word here refers to Jesus Christ, So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And this one verse is the most concise story of the incarnation in the scripture, the fact that God became one of us, that God took on flesh. God tabernacled. Jesus lived. He made his home among us. In the same way that the children of Israel had the tabernacle as they went through the wilderness. And in Numbers 34, 35, You must not defile the land where you live, for I live there myself. I am the Lord who lives among the people of Israel. So God was present in the tabernacle during the wanderings of the children of Israel. But now God is made visible through the glory of his son Jesus. We no longer need to have the tabernacle. Jesus, the one and only son of the Father, has now come to us. And then secondly, secondly, the gift of Jesus was personal. The gift of Jesus was personal. The angels announced to the shepherds in Luke, in, in Luke 2.11, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. It's interesting, as we look at the life of Jesus, to notice how Jesus took time for people. In his ministry, he was stopped along the way, and many times he, he did have a destination. He did know where he was going, but he didn't get upset when his plans were changed. He took time to minister to people, and he took time to have, to have a relationship with persons in their home. He spent time with his good friends Mary and Martha and Lazarus. We find that he was in the home of Peter. He was in the home of Zacchaeus. And he was having such a good time of fellowship that he was accused of being a drunkard and a glutton. The authors, again, of Advent Conspiracy share this story. Quote, A father and a teenage daughter were enjoying their last Christmas at home before she headed off to college. And for him, the days were beginning to blur into weeks, and the little girl that he was bouncing on his lap just yesterday was going to leave tomorrow. So what did this daughter give, or what did this father give his daughter for Christmas? He gave her two beautiful blank journals, and she was to fill the one journal and he would fill the other. 
and during the next year, which would include her final days of high school, the brief summer, and her first semester at college, they both committed to writing, writing their thoughts, questions and fears and frustrations with overprotective parents, what it means for the parent to let go, and how it feels to watch your child become an adult. And then the next Christmas, they would exchange journals, end of quote. I would suggest that this is an example of an extremely personal and incredible gift. Lastly then, and thirdly, the gift of God was a costly gift. The Apostle Paul says to the believers at Philippi in Philippians 2, 5 to 8, he says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on the cross. So Jesus willingly gave up himself by taking on the form of a servant. He took on one of abject obedience, one of complete obedience to the Father, to doing the will of the Father, even though he didn't want to, even though he struggled, and he said, let this cup pass from me, the cup of suffering. But yet not my will, but yours be done, he continued as he pled with his father. And the result of that obedience was to die a hideous death like a common, ordinary criminal to die on the cross. And I emphasize that the gift of God, the gift of God, God being in the presence of Jesus, was a costly gift. It cost his very life and it cost him to give up him, himself to die on the cross. I've been reading about, aware of the gift, and I applaud the gift that the Forest Hills Mennonite Church has given to a Syrian refugee family as they've been welcomed, as that congregation has welcomed and assisted the Hilo family to settle here in Lancaster County. And as their lead pastor pointed out, they did not plan to do that when they studied back in last February. They studied about immigration in their winter Bible school. And I would suggest that this indeed is a costly gift, particularly in the climate that we have right now in the United States. Rachel Stella pointed out, quote, with the November 3 arrival of the seven-member Hilo family from Syria, Forest Hills has become an example of Christian hospitality in a time of anti-Muslim prejudice and opposition to Syrian immigrants in the U.S. John Carlson, the lead pastor, said, quote, 
I hope we as Anabaptist peace churches can articulate that there is no military solution to Islamic extremism. The only thing that will make a difference, he goes on, is compassion and love, end of quote. As we think of the story of Mary and Joseph, Joseph was willing to accept the scorn. Joseph was willing to accept the ridicule. Joseph was willing to do that because he was an honorable, righteous man. Yet he was also willing to do what the angel had commanded him to do. He was willing to do that And so he fulfilled the prophecy that was predicted by the prophet Isaiah. Jesus willingly, willingly gave himself on the cross the costly gift for our salvation. And Jesus prayed that this cup of suffering would be passed from him. Jesus was not looking forward to the suffering, but he willingly gave up his his life, his very life, in this costly gift that God gave to us. So I would invite us to reflect on this week as we participate in the Advent readings that are in your mailboxes and as we reflect on this giving more. Are we willing to follow the example of Joseph in our gift giving this year? Are we willing to follow the example of our God and to follow his example by giving a costly gift, by giving of ourselves and, if it's necessary, by giving of our very lives, our lives in commitment to Jesus Christ? Are we willing to do that? Amen. So be it. We'll share in a closing song.